0: Ask me to
1: talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime. On "Don't Ask Me to Talk." Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to. Don't Ask Me to Talk. Remember, I believe it's next week, it's going to be changed to Stacy Connects. Same exact show, different title. I'm just trying to keep everyone, you know, young and flexible and, uh, I don't know, elastic in their thinking. Let's just go with that. So uh, if you can't listen live each week, you can find Don't Ask Me to Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 and you will get show details If you would like to connect, if you have a comment or a question, the number to call into the studio is 425-373-5527. You can also find me through my website, stacyconnects.com. And I would like to welcome my guest today, Brian Keene. Hello, Brian. Good afternoon. I am very excited to welcome you to the show. We were introduced to each other through our mutual friend, Dan Perdue. Shout out, Dan. And I was saying before uh, we went on the air that he knows all these interesting people. I feel like he needs to be like a guest booker or something. Right? It would be good.
2: That's a good plan.
0: I know. So, you know, he's a man of uh, many talents. And uh, the start of my show, when I say from the sublime to the ridiculous, I feel that kind of encapsulates Dan as well. Uh, so the thing that I want to talk about today in my brain dump first, of course, let me say hi to mom and Lee and Diane, uh, Brian, you may not know this, but my mother, uh, is, and her two friends, Lee and Diane, and she's got some other friends as well that listen to the show and they are part of the tens of listeners that I have. So, right. Exactly. And, um, so Hi mom. And I hope you had fun at Wendy's today. Uh, She and the gals every week take somebody new to Wendy's to uh, show them the features and benefits of the senior menu. That's right. Who says there's nothing to look forward to when you get older? You can look forward to a junior hamburger and a free soda. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, Not sponsored by Wendy's, but honestly should be. Okay. So... I am going to share something with all of you. And before I share this, I want to give a PSA about anxiety so I can make myself clear. So anxiety is not a funny thing. It's a very real thing. Uh, and so when, you know, having an anxiety attack, it's not funny. It's a very real spirit experience for people that suffer from it. Uh, some people describe it as uh, feeling akin to almost like a heart attack. Um, it It's something that people really deal with at varying degrees. So I just want to say that. And so if you experience anxiety, I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Uh, now, that said, my son Charlie had a uh, a minor anxiety attack this week. He called me. Um, actually, it was, I guess, last week. And it was about his acne. Now, he's 19, like a lot of young men and women, dealing with hormones and these kinds of things. So we had this long conversation, and much like his brother, when he gets wound up, he's like a party balloon that you blow up, and then when you let it go, it just kind of goes until it's out of air. So I needed to be patient and let him run out of air. And there was really no talking him off this particular cliff because he's very wound up by it. So I sent an email to, he's on break next week, I sent an email to his doctor, along with some images of the supplements that he has decided that he should take. And so she replied with, um, what is exactly it that he's treating like I'm confused and so my response to this very astute question was this now I do want to say I've redacted parts of this because you know it's a private thing so here is the email blah 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 blah, 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 blah. Charlie is the person extremist groups on the internet want to get their hands on He is skeptical of mainstream thinking, believing that most people are inherently lazy and therefore unimaginative when it comes to solving problems in the world. Ironically, and further proof as to why Charlie would be an ideal candidate for a wacko extremist group, Charlie is lazy about participating in the solving of his own problems. Then I set up the scene. Setting. High school. Charlie develops acne. Stace. That's me says, wash your face morning and night. Use this moisturizer, drink water, and change your pillowcase every few days. Charlie does not. Charlie complains of worsening acne. Stace takes Charlie to the dermatologist. She prescribes topical ointments to be applied morning and night. And seconds Stace's other advice. Charlie still does nothing. Trip back to the dermatologist, where she notes the acne isn't improving. Gee, that's weird. She now prescribes oral meds to take along with the aforementioned topical treatments, and other ideas. Charlie takes the meds. However, he still doesn't wash and use topicals with any regularity. Now, it's summer before freshman year. Charlie loses some weight, becomes obsessed with growing taller and more manly, so drinks milk every day and occasionally works out. Off he goes to college. Acne still bothers him when he gets there, so we connect him with a dermatologist there. Because he's 19 and I'm not there, nor am I supposed to be, who knows what he tells the dermatologist, And soon after, he starts taking Accutane. Meanwhile, he's still very focused on getting taller and beefing up. His roommate, a cross between an engineer and a commune-owning organic farmer, warns Charlie about polluting his body with unnatural toxins like those found in Accutane. So naturally, Charlie does a deep dive into supplements, finding what he needs at that bastion of health, Amazon. Meanwhile, the acne still persists. He's convinced his growth plates have fused closed because of taking Accutane, and now he won't grow the extra foot he's meant to? Question mark. Anyone that knows me and my family know that my husband and I both top out at 5'5". He's now got thick thighs, he says, a bigger butt, and I won't go into the other details. Plus, the added stress means that his grades are tanking. So, in response to what his doctor says, what is it that he needs? I responded, what does he need? He needs information about how the human body works together and separately, both mentally and physically. He needs to understand that he can't have it both ways, a cure and a lack of participation. He needs to be engaged with a professional who won't make him feel dumb or crazy, a total trigger. Someone that will listen, acknowledge, and or challenge the information he obsesses over from medical journals that he apparently finds at all hours of the night on the internet. He needs to feel seen and known by a medical professional so that he can get his head out of his thick butt and start functioning with more trust in himself and others and perhaps with less anxiety. So, yes, yes, listeners, that is the note that I sent to his doctor. Now, she responded and said, LOL, we will talk about this. <laughs> so while it's funny, A, as I said, anxiety isn't funny. And part of the point here is that anxiety, like these things are very real when you have anxiety. And I think it's fascinating that when you suffer from anxiety, you don't go looking for information that is actually going to make you feel better. You go for information that's going to make you feel worse and right. And so you sort of deep dive into an echo chamber of people that are going to support your belief versus just the truth. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is the medical profession and finding people that, you know, I had to get permission to call his dermatologist to say he has some real concerns. You know, when his brother took Accutane, it was after a lot of thought and he had to take a blood test every month and Charlie doesn't understand why he's not subject to the same process that Will went through and he assumes that he's being injected with estrogen and his testosterone is seeping out of him and his pores uh he has no idea and so it's tricky you know like the 18, 19-year-olds of today are not the 18, 19-year-olds of yesteryear. They don't know what questions to ask. They question everything but never from anywhere, it seems like, except behind a keyboard. And so asking questions of, you know, doctors, mentors, teachers, professors, uh, whomever it is, it's an interesting thing. So I go back to the point – that I've made before, which is that we need a social emotional kind of a university where kids can learn these kinds of life lessons because it's these soft skills that get you through when um, you know you've got the hard skills. You can do the math, you can do the writing, you can you know do these things, but can you function in the world and advocate for yourself? Okay, so that's quite the diatribe. Um Now I will then follow it up with my Staceyism, which is. I read – I had a meeting last week, and in the meeting, my B&I meeting, I was teased for talking a lot. Hello, this show is called Don't Ask Me to Talk. So obviously they are – well, not obviously, but they are a group of people that love me, support me, know me, and they mean no ill will at all about the fact that I talk all the time. That said, when enough people say something, you kind of have to take a moment to pause. And so I was looking for something about – you know, people who talk too much. And many of the, the quotes about people who talk a lot, it's like, you know, God gave you two ears so that you'll listen um, twice as much as you talk and all those kinds of things. And I found this one that says, one who talks too much makes the most mistakes. And so I just want to say, does that mean that I don't learn? And sure, I talk a lot and I need to make sure that I listen and maybe I don't always just listen with my ears. Maybe I listen in other ways. And while I very often make it about me, maybe making about me is a way to engage other people and to create a common denominator of something to talk about with random people. And I do think that I am happy to make mistakes. I am happy to not get it right, to fumble, Uh Because I do learn from it. And so in this particular instance, I think what I've learned is that it's not a mistake for me to talk as long as I am listening. Uh, So there. Okay. I'm going to take a break. And then we're going to come back and I will let Brian get a word in edgewise so that people cannot uh, tell me that I don't allow other people to talk. So keep listening to Don't Ask Me To Talk, soon to be Stacey Connects
1: But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for this show is all about you. A show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com.
0: Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive. It's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects. It's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com.
1: counseling.com alternative talk 1150 local talk for the body mind and soul
0: don't ask me to talk welcome back to don't ask me to talk i am here with brian Keane, and we started having a conversation during the break and then of course ran out of time so brian share with uh listeners what you were saying
2: well, the, that quote—the people who who talk too much make the most mistakes, right? And so this gets into what statisticians might call Type one and Type two errors. If you're a nerd, and I am, but what if, what if you were you sh- should have spoken up, right? You had the answer somebody needed, and you didn't speak. That's also a mistake, right? But that quote doesn't measure that mistake. It's only measuring the visible mistakes. It's like uh, you see this in business where marketing people mail out stuff and they look at the response rate, but what they can't see is the irritation rate, right? The people who are so mad at the marketing material, they never come back because they never get that feedback. loop. Same kind of thing, right? So I don't I don't like that quote one bit. I, I think it's, uh, it's...
0: Same. It, so, it yeah. definitely is something that, you know, when I was looking up things about, uh, you know, uh, people who talk too much, and it's just every quote was just about you know, basically, like, shut up, stop talking. And, you know, what if there's a purpose to it? And I fully admit, just so we're clear, and I'm sure my mother is listening, she's already through one scotch, maybe pouring a second, and she's thinking, no, but seriously, (laughs) she talks a lot. Um, And so there is something to that. I just, you know, maybe people that are talking a lot actually have something to say, and because nobody listens, they're like, you know, you never know.
2: You need a straw to stir the drink, right? You you don't want to go to a college party with acne covered friends and no one talks. It's just (laughs) awkward.
0: Yes. So, okay. So first question that I have, this is like hard hitting journalism here. Uh, Duck left. Yeah. Is that like a a boxing term?
2: It is not. Uh, I am a golfer. And I'm not necessarily a very good one. And so I hit what's called a duck hook, which goes left. And wow. so years and years ago, I needed an email address and uh, I grabbed that one and it kind of stuck with me.
0: I love that. I was like, OK, there are so many different things that this could be because <laughs> you are a uh, you are a very witty man and i just was like oh, okay is this like he's sparring with somebody is like you know is somebody a bad driver like what's going on
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i admit the face looks like it's taken a few punches but no not a fighter
0: okay so that's my hard-hitting journalism uh mm. so what did you think about the charlie story uh you know being
2: 19 is kind of hard right? <laughs> so we're all uh, i mean it's better than being 13 right 13 you walk into the cafeteria people laughing of course it's about you So 19, you're beyond that, but now you're trying to build kind of adult relationships and appeal to the opposite gender and so on. And it's really easy to get stuck inside your head inadvertently when you're doing that. And and what's right and what's normal and what it thinks supposed to be all becomes kind of relativistic. And it's very hard to evaluate that when you're in it at the moment.
0: Mm -hmm. You
2: You have to kind of live through it and then you get off the other side and go, what was I thinking?
0: Right. Right. And he's done that with some other things. I mean, he is he's the guy and there was a book about this and I wish I could remember what it was called. Um, but, you know, he's the guy that before people were going onto to Chrome, uh, you know, he's like, this is a better way for me to get on the Internet. Like he's the guy that, you know, is the early adopter. Try it out. If it makes sense. He's not going to go with the status quo. He has always been that way. He has always questioned things. And I love that about him. I adore that about him. And then when it comes to other things, you know, I'm like, okay, you need to participate in the care and keeping of yourself. And that's both mentally and physically. And especially when it comes to, you know, the mental health and the physical health. And, you know, when you go into that echo chamber of internet information, you can get so much misinformation. I mean, anytime you go onto WebMD, you're basically you've got like three months to live Um, and it's probably cancer. Yeah. So like, you know, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You know, like I have, um, an ingrown toenail. I, that's it. I'm, I'm done for. And so I just think that just increases anxiety. Um, now I know you went through health issues yourself. Did you have, or do you have, or did you have anxiety?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right. So I mean, for me, right. I had uh, an undiagnosed uh, tumor called the pituitary adenoma, specifically a prolactinoma, right? And so you start off by going through body changes, right? So mine, I, I can say with a certain level of certainty, looking backwards, started right around the time of fourth grade. I went from being one of the tallest kids in class, skinny, to all of a sudden I had a, a pooch of a tummy, which is a reflection of a decline in, in human growth, growth hormone, right? HGH. Uh, as your HGH levels drop, you get, I think the medical term is truncal body fat. Right, which is just you get a gut. Uh, and that's when, one of the things you see like as we age, as you get older, we get a bigger tummy and that's your HGH levels declining as you age kind of goes hand in
0: hand. Ah, I have something to blame except other than food.
2: <laughs> there you go, right?
0: Thank you. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I'm here to help. And so you, you go through that. And so you start wondering about, I mean, even in fourth grade, right? I started trying to manage my diet actively. I, I, I was an athletic kid. I didn't plan on having having a tummy like that. Uh, and then you start going through stages of puberty, and you're not maturing uh, w- with your peers, right? So I graduated from high school, and my voice is like this, and didn't really shave. Um, and you know, saw my doctor, and, and uh, candidly, I would describe him as kind of blew me off. I went back and visited you, know, after my freshman year in college, and and kind of blew me off a second time. Um, and, and in fact, it's kind of funny. I had a doctor's appointment last week uh, with a. Not related to this, mm-hmm. but, but the doctor I was seeing was like, who's kind of going through the background, medical background, and goes, wow, that guy really had to blow it, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he did, <laughs> and he's like, he should have picked up on this. Mm-hmm. So so you know, your friends are furiously you know trying to get dates, you know, like oh you know yeah that'd be great, whatever, and you know, and so now you start questioning yourself, and oh geez, maybe I'm gay. So, so, no, doesn't seem like a good idea, but you know, and so. Uh, you find all those awkward things. Uh, your self-esteem starts to take a pretty big hit. Some of that is uh, organic, right? So our physical well-being is a, is a form of, of self-esteem and you don't fit in it. You don't look right. You, you know, you don't act right. And some of it is actually chemical, right? So uh, for men, right, when you uh, you find lower testosterone levels correlates with lower levels of self-esteem, right? So there, there's a feel-good, about ourselves when we're kind of let's say in chemically normal position with Mm -hmm. these things and so it becomes this kind of corrosive cycle i found a little corner to to kind of go hold my self-esteem so i put all my self-esteem kind of in in kind of intellect which means uh that with this tumor i probably got better grades in college than i would have otherwise (laughs) that's that's where i park myself uh but you know you're also kind of missing out on other components of life at the same time but but you know that's that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Right.
0: Right. So
2: different people, different medical conditions. Apparently this was mine.
0: Right. So then, uh, so you go through that. And then at what point sort of similar to, you know, as again, as I'm, as much as I'm teasing, I'm not teasing, Charlie, that, you know, there's, there's some concerns (laughs) where there are the outliers that are like, what is going on? And you're, young and you just know that something isn't right so yep. who's the person that finally said wow you might be onto something
2: uh so it was my i had a general practitioner i was um well into my 20s uh i got mononucleosis and so i was in getting treated for that and i was like you know i have been going to the gym five days a week in the morning before working at 5 30. Lifting like a maniac with my best friend from college. Um, uh, and I cannot bench press my body weight. It's uh it's, it just doesn't seem right, right? I'm not responding. And he goes, Yeah, it could be, you know, you know, he kind of looked me up and down, yeah, it could be. So drew some blood and and yeah, my like my testosterone level was was uh awful. And so he at that point he sent me off to a specialist. Uh so to an endocrinologist in uh Bellevue, uh Dr. Brad Wallum, who unfortunately he's no longer with us he, he passed away a few years ago uh but he 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 kind of looked at the first number and you can see kind of the glutton's eye he's like i know what's going on here so we, we do the the full blood work and it comes back with what he expects to see and then you go do the mri and and yeah there's this giant by this time it's a fairly large mass in my head um these type of tumors is kind of for reference they're they're typically non-cancerous mine was non-cancerous and they're very slow growing right so it may have started growing when i was in fourth grade but even by the time i was in my 20s it's not getting like it engulfed my whole head it was large it was uh, uh two and a half centimeters by three and a half centimeters or so so you're a little you know about three quarters the size of a golf ball or so and had completely engulfed you know my pituitary and growing into an area there called the cavernous sinus but it was still manageable and treatable at that point wow so, yeah yeah it's it's wild
0: wow so then i imagine that. Um, you know, you have the tumor removed, I'm guessing. Mostly. Okay. Cause you gotta be careful because you know, right. Like hip bone connected to the, like I played operation as a kid.
2: You, you got it. Yeah. So like the neurosurgeon, you know, they, they do the procedure, uh, they go into your sinuses. So there's no scars, which is nice. Um, but, but, uh, and they took out most of it, but, but like I say, when it starts to grow into the area called the cavernous sinus, lots of nerves going to your eyes there and, uh, they don't like to play in there. And so,
0: yeah, little bits
2: and pieces left over.
0: So then once most of it is removed, was yeah. it like hormones like release the hounds?
2: So, yes. Right. So uh, the pituitary is destroyed. So all the hormones are, are replacements. Um, uh, and so you take artificial, uh, you know, hormone replacements and within about, I'll say, 48 hours of my first testosterone injection. Right. Uh, yeah, I was. I was kind of out at the bus stop looking for anyone who wanted to dance. Um, right. So, <laughs> I like it,
0: that phrasing. <laughs> yeah, it's like
2: uh, I went. I went from yeah, you know, be, you know, I should took the top off or whatever. To you know, you're, you're kind of uh, yeah, you you look like a bad character in the background of a movie. Right? <laughs> so it was it was horrendous. It, it took about a year to kind of adjust to having normal levels. Right imagine kind of doing puberty in about a 48 hour window and and there you go.
0: Yeah, wow. Wow. So this kind of ties into my whole thing about understanding the body and then the whole, you know, the physical aspects and like I said, you know, hip bone connected to the blah blah. Yep. Um and then also the the mental side of it and how these things just continue to like dovetail together.
2: Yep. They the things do tie together really neatly. Uh, more more than I would have expected, even, like I said, some goes back to just normal reaction to normal hormone levels are associated with higher levels of self-esteem. And yeah, my demeanor changed. Um, um, my, I kind of went through a bit of a personality change. I mean, nothing significantly different, especially if you'd known me when I was young right before the tumor kind of. but I became much more extroverted again, more confident. I was a little more socially aware, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, so I could hold an adult conversation without being kind of uh, an annoying idiot. Um, and so, I mean, and so, yeah, seriously, oh, I, I look back at some of the things I did when I was like 20 or 24, 25, even, you're like, oh, I mean, we all have some of those. We all have some of those, but I, I was packing some extra.
0: Well, and I imagine that, you know, the intellect piece that you developed, because that you could develop, you yeah. know, that, you know, intellect is power, right? And using it for, Good or evil, as I like to say, um, you know, Charlie is a lot like I am. I am I am a masterful liar. I mean, (laughs) I I out myself often so that, you know, just know this about me. I have chosen to use my power for good. um, And, you know, Charlie, I think he uses it for good. Um, But, you know, some of these these things that you have and that you develop like intellect you know it can be then a way to um to express dominance or you know like hey i'm smarter than you you know um you may kick sand at the you know the guy at the beach but you know what that guy that's at the beach like owns the beach
2: you got it yeah that's pretty much spot on yeah that's exactly here's where i'm gonna make my mark right yeah you, you can beat the tar out of me uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to own you over in this little, this little corner. And that's that's a perfect, you, you, you capture right on. I'll stop talking there. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: now, is this something that is genetic?
2: It is not genetic. Um, there's no root cause known. Uh, other than you do find tumors and cancers all over the body, wherever you have high hormone levels, right? Breast cancer, cervical cancer, testicular cancer, thyroid, and pituitary system, other center of hormones. Uh, and so uh, there is that. Uh, they're not unusual in the sense that you find them in somewhere between say six and ten percent of all cadavers. Okay. So they do, they do show up. That said, they typically show up later in life. So uh, like mine with with the destroyed pituitary, I'd be hypo. I have uh, hypo pituitaryism, right? A lack of pituitarism. And there's like two hundred thousand cases of that in the U.S. in total. And, and most of those are actually for other reasons and other causes, other than these tumors. So,
0: So you're so. special. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my, my mom says I am, so.
0: <laughs> well, then uh, a mother's usually always right when it comes you to go. their kids. Um, there you go. Interesting. So did that impact uh, then, uh, like, what you do or your approach to what you do then? Because, you know, I... I believe that who we are personally impacts uh, what we do in terms of our career and professionally. And so did you find then a change in that as well?
2: Uh, so, yeah, so I was in uh, financial services at the time and I was I was an analyst. Um, and I, it's kind of funny, I'm in corporate finance now, so I'm still in the same area, but I manage people now. I'm, I look kind of more at projects I'm more big picture um, where you know, when I was diagnosed, I had my numbers in the details and, and, you know, you didn't let me out of the house too often, so to speak. And it's like, you right. can meet certain clients, but other people we you, you didn't talk to. Um, and so, um, so some of that changed. It's kind of funny uh, because, you know, as an example, within my, my company, the last couple of companies, I'm considered, you know, premier at building relationships and people who worked with me when I was 24, 25 would uh, kind of <laughs> shriek at that notion. Right. <laughs> so, so so, yeah, lots of things do change. You change how you orient and how you, you know, how you add value in your, in your job. Right. Uh, all that. Yeah. All kinds of adjustments. And, and some of it's instantaneous. A lot of it's evolutionary. Nature. Sure.
0: Well, you know, it's building, um, you know, you didn't have that opportunity to have that foundation. So you're building a it's like you're adding an extra leg to the foundation and, you know, kind of building it pretty quickly. And um, it's amazing the difference that can happen when you look up and out into the world. And, you know, even if you're an introvert, um, you know, to challenge yourself to look up and out into the world, um, you know, you can pick where you want to go and where you want to interact and everything. Um, but it's, you know, the confidence and the anxiety and, you know, and some people have, um, issues that they deal with, with these things, but it makes a huge difference.
2: It, It totally does. Yeah, it makes life way easier when you know you're at least starting from a baseline normalcy point of view.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about other things too. That's right. Uh-oh. You're no one-trick pony. Uh, <laughs> we will be right back with Brian Keene. You're listening to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller.
1: Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh? And relevant, Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacey Heller is many things. Entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical. Like Dr. Ruth, Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash 1150kknw.
0: Don't ask me to talk. Welcome back to the show. I am joined today by Brian Keene. We have been talking about uh, the fact that Brian, uh, had to navigate a pituitary tumor. There is a bigger, longer name for it. However, I'm... I'm...
2: Adenoma. Pituitary adenoma.
0: Yeah, that one. Um, Yeah, there you go. However, as I mentioned, there is so much more to this man. And one of the things that I did not miss is you talking about your golf game. Now... Oh, yeah. I have to tell you that I grew up in a household where... My uh, my paternal grandfather played golf. My dad played golf. Um, my dad grew up in a, with a fairly affluent family. And so uh, he didn't have to go get a job at 15. He went to the country club and he got uh, buckets of balls and he uh, worked on his golf game. And, you know, I will say this. Uh, he worked at his game. He was a very natural golfer. Now he his whole life uh played golf. He liked it. I don't think he played as much as he would have liked to, but he did other things that he enjoyed probably more. Um I think people loved playing with him because they didn't expect him to be as good as he was cuz he didn't need like the latest club or the fancy bag, you know, he's like, "Man, mm, it's not about the tools." And so I naturally I'm assuming that I'm an amazing golfer because, like, heredity and all of that, right? (laughs) So I feel like at some point I need to take golf lessons because I just feel like I think both of my brothers are terrible golfers. Um, One probably never really gets to play. The other probably plays and who knows if he's any good. Me, I, I feel like this is where... I can shine.
2: Now, if you went golfing, do you think you could stop talking long enough to let your playing partners have actually hit a ball?
0: I do because that's a good question. Uh, because watching golf with my dad uh, for years and years and years and years, um, like some people watch, you know, football, baseball, basketball, we watched golf and there's an etiquette to it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's about that. Unless you're playing like one of these fun for charity things, you know, like you have to be quiet or apparently unless you're at the, um, the tournament that took place at like the waste management, um, open yeah, like, or whatever it was. Scottsdale. right? Yeah. Yep. Where they like threw trash because somebody like did this amazing shot or something. That's um, it. but that's like a special occasion thing. Um, so I, I respect the etiquette. And my dad also told me uh, that how a person plays golf is indicative of their integrity.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. Golf is very much a game where that's self-officiated, right? I mean, a golf course is huge. It's 150 acres, plus or minus, And you're often separated by 40 or 50 or 60 yards. So if you wanted to cheat a little bit, it's pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. Um, country golfers and so yeah as a measure of what kind of character you have I'd say golf's better than most games at kind of identifying that
0: right I feel like this would be a good game for like you know if it's the classic you know who's this person you're going into business with or who's going to marry your child uh you know let's go play golf
2: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah it's also a game though of, of tremendous frustration right and so yes people who are remarkably calm and and polite. I've seen just completely talk like a a longshoreman on a bad day in the (laughs) middle of the round. And he said, the ball's just sitting there. How do you miss it? It's just
0: sitting there. Right. Right. So yes. And, and there's something about golf. It seems like you can do terribly for the first 16 holes. Then you get an amazing drive and you're like, that's it. And then it like, It triggers some addictive property in your head that you're like, oh, I got this. That's what the problem was. And then the next three holes you tank and or two holes you tank and like and then you end up at the air quote 19th hole.
2: Correct. Yeah. When in doubt, the 19th hole solves all. But yeah, it's it's sometimes it's only one or two holes in a round that that, you know, you hit what you were trying to hit. And but you're like, okay, I can build off that. I can build off that. So it's an enticing game uh right because there's always one good shot there's a handicapping system so you can play against anyone right you know i try, try to play against somebody who's a much better tennis player than you there's there's no match right it just doesn't work right so uh, that's kind of a very obviously very social game that takes over four hours to play around and you're only hitting the ball for about 10 minutes of the time right, All right. so you, you got to fill the time with something that's why we bring you along
0: Oh my gosh, I could have a mobile show. I could be in the cart.
2: (laughs) You'd be money. Yeah,
0: boom. Okay, I will say that somebody told me that I should do a sports casting type podcast where I sit next to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. And then (laughs) I give the commentary that like those of us that are not into the sport are paying attention to. Uh, okay <laughs> right like what is he wearing like I don't understand why are his like you know why are his socks up and his aren't and you know all those important questions
2: okay I think that would, there are a lot of sports that you know I somebody recently introduced me to rugby at, at the, oh there's a whistle I don't you know how are the rules in a game where you just smack the crap out of each other on a, on a pitch but apparently there's a number of rules
0: it is like that is a very violent sport that
2: and That's hockey a, oh hockey oh yeah the funny thing is both hockey and rugby though right more so than let's say nfl football or, or even games like baseball man games are really high honor right uh, you know the rugby's been described as a thugs game played by gentlemen mm-hmm. right so there are certain traditions and honors and you don't do this to the guy when he's in that position right and, and hockey the same way they'll get in fights and then after the after they fight each other, like, congratulations, yeah, that was a good scrap, good one, right? Right.
0: Like, it reminds me of the etiquette around a duel, right? Yes, yes, right. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah. it's like you know, so here's the rules of engagement, and like you know, it's everything personal and nothing personal, and like, bam, that's the way it goes.
2: And over the end, yeah, it's uh, hockey would be fun. Yeah, you should go do broadcast a hockey game.
0: Oh, I would love that. I'd be you like, would kill at
2: that. You would chill on that.
0: And then I'd want to interview the players and be like, so how many fake teeth do you have? They <laughs> <laughs> you know, show you. Right? Exactly. And they'll just take out all the various pieces that they have. And <laughs> exactly. I mean, and then, oh my gosh. And then I could get a sponsor for them. I know a dentist. I mean, <laughs> this would be amazing. Oh my gosh. I, I think I'm going to need to pursue this. I have too yeah. many ideas and too little time. Um, so what are the other things that you dabble in?
2: Uh, so um, I, I, I play in the kitchen more than the average person, so I like to cook. Um,
0: I, Anything in particular?
2: Uh, I've had people who are recently for my pizza. I've, I've worked out how to make a pretty pretty good pizza, pretty good Nepali pizza at home now. Okay. Uh, so I play around in Italian flavors a lot um A little bit in Mexican, right? Like I'm working on perfecting tamales. And- okay,
0: now Mexican like Tex-Mex, Mexican like West Coast Mexican, like actual uh, Mexico Mexican.
2: So I'll I'll, I'll say somewhere be- between uh, West Coast and Mexican Mexican. Okay, right? so go go find a Rick Bayless recipe, right? So oh yeah. It- Familiar with so we go down into Oaxaca where they have these peppers <laughs> that you can't find anywhere in the world ever. But here's the recipe if you get them. <laughs> right. <So. laughs>
0: I remember I worked actually at a gourmet food store um, after uh, Pete and I were married and before we had kids, although Annie was born while I worked there. And it was a gourmet food store. And uh, one of the silent owners uh, was Paul Newman. And next to it was a uh, kitchen store and they had a spot where in the back where they would do cooking classes. And so I got these opportunities to be a sort of sous chef of sorts with various people, like with Bobby Flay. And, oh, oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, And, you know, some other folks that, you know, they'd have their cookbooks. And so there was such an assortment of cookbooks. And, you know, we would try things all the time. And uh, it is, in fact, thanks to one of the chefs that came in that I now like a roasted Brussels sprout. Before that, they were just little cabbage heads.
2: <laughs> so what do they do to the Brussels sprouts to make them magical for you?
0: Uh, it is the char and the – but with the roasting, it's the bit of glaze. And a, uh, it's a balsamic that's yep. adding that to it. And so it flavors the – the sourness almost, and then that char just adds a whole different level of taste and obviously texture.
2: See, I mean, that's the thing I like about Italian cooking, right? They got some ingredients over there, balsamic, Parmesan, Reggiano, uh, prosciutto ham, where if you take that and you add that to whatever you're cooking, so, oh, this is amazing. What's the secret to your salad? Well, I put Reggiano on it, I put $20 a pound cheese on it, and it's magic. Oh,
0: yeah. It, it,
2: there's something beautiful about, you know, it's like we caught a sardine, we grilled it, here's a lemon and some basil, have a glass of wine. That's food. And it's, like, it's simple and, and delicious. It's like, I've got good ingredients, don't screw them up.
0: Right. It's it's interesting. Uh So Airbnb, I don't know if you do this uh, or knew this, <laughs> they, uh, I don't know if it was pre-pandemic or if it just was response to the pandemic, they started doing Airbnb experiences. oh And... We found out about this, and so my husband was like, my parents would love this because you're doing a remote experience, and so you can book something. It could be, you know, tea with somebody in England. It could be a Japanese tea ceremony from some- with somebody from Japan. So we did this not for my mother because she hates to cook, uh, but with my in-laws who love to cook. And so the first class that we did, it was making um, managat with uh, the grandmas in Italy. Uh, So a woman and her mother. And they were up, you know, it's probably 1 in the morning. And my in-laws were in, I think, Florida. Uh, Will was in California. We were here in Washington. And you're given the list. They even gave uh, company wines and, like, whole thing so we all made this amazing like bechamel sauce and yeah. uh, filling in the whole thing and it was unbelievable and it was such a great experience that we then this year for Christmas gave my in-laws another experience this time making gelato now oh yum. here's the interesting thing the gelato that she had us make basically has two main ingredients it is heavy cream, and it is a can of sweetened condensed milk. Now you can make like homemade sweetened condensed milk. However, right. like that just seems like you're trying to be showy. Um, and you whip the heavy cream till there's pretty steep or uh, stiff peaks. Add yeah. the the um, sweetened condensed milk,
2: sure. and
0: that's your base. So now, yeah. like, oh, you want to add some pistachio cream to that. You want to add some uh, melted chocolate, or if you want to make a stracciatella or whatever it is, some chocolate mm-hmm. chips um, or some Nutella or whatever it is. And you mix it all in and put it in the freezer. And it is almost exactly like the gelato that we have had on visits to Italy. Interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing.
2: That's not the recipe I would have expected. That's very different.
0: Right. And, you know, it's this woman and she's like, this is what, you know, I was taught from my mother and, you know, and this is what we do. And it's simple. And she's like, I never buy ice cream. This is what I make. Wow. I know.
2: Well, now I felt like a slacker for buying Ben and Jerry's. (laughs)
0: I'll share the recipe with you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and we'll see what you can do with it. And if you invite me over for pizza, I'll bring gelato.
2: You bring the gelato, we'll be we'll be set. Exactly. That'll be fantastic.
0: Exactly. Um that's fun. Pete likes to cook, uh, although his yeah. dream is to own a bar someday. Okay. Uh I think he likes the idea that uh that camaraderie, like you know you're busy and you don't really have time to think you're not behind a computer at a desk um, and you're engaging with people
2: yep yeah the socialization would be really fun if you got the right bar and you got the right you know customer base going
0: right uh the place that we go to every tuesday night we every week we go to sip one of these days i'm going to get them to sponsor me they just right now plow me with drinks but um anyway we go on tuesday nights and uh the has said, oh, well, I'll let you come come behind the bar sometime. You can come a little early, and I'll give you some training. And, you know, on a slow night, you can go behind the bar. So I'm going to hold her to it. There you go. Yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, What is something that you have not done? What's the bucket list item for you?
2: Okay, so this is very embarrassing for somebody my age and and background, but I have never set foot in Europe. So.
0: there's lots of people that haven't.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, um, uh, my, not my current, but my prior boss, I was planning my, my vacation uh, for, the, for that upcoming year with her. I was like, well, I'm going to go to Hawaii. It's our, our 25th anniversary and I'm married now. So we're going to go back over there. And then at the end of the year, uh, gonna go over to to Tokyo, over to Japan for a couple of weeks. My wife is, is from Tokyo. right. So okay. over to the family and, uh. She said, "Brian, I'm going to sign off on this, but if next year your vacation doesn't include Italy, I won't approve it." (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) oh my gosh! Uh, I know
2: she's she's hard.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's just like I have an opportunity. um, Knock on wood, my head, anything I can in October. A friend of mine has a cousin who has a place in Italy in Umbria, and uh, we have an opportunity to go over there and help harvest the olives so that they can oh. press it to make olive oil.
2: Fantastic.
0: Right? Now, you don't know this about me, but I have this thing about past lives and, like, I know certain past lives that I've had. And okay. I'm convinced that in a past life I was, like, a farmer or I worked in fields. I always say, like, a migrant worker because there's, like, a a desperation to, like, you know, pick more raspberries, kids. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so not like a, a gentleman or a lady farmer, like a <laughs> worker. And so I was like, this is going to be right up my alley because I'm going to be like, get the olives.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they set those nets out, and right, I Shake the tree and pick them up. And so on. I've seen videos of it. That'll, that'll be a blast. Um Kind of curious to see what fresh pressed olive oil tastes like. Right? Is it fruitier and brighter than what we get, you know?
0: Yeah, I si- don't know. Apparently better. I get paid in uh room and board and a bottle of uh, olive oil to go. Nice. I mean, I'm, I'm down with it.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm cool with the experience. I, you know, going back to raspberry. So I grew up, I did work on a farm for for three or four years as a kid. This is back when you, you could still pick strawberries as a kid, right? So I picked strawberries for two or three or four years, you know, 300 pounds a day and some raspberries, the processing line. And, and you know, that's one of those things, your reference to past life, it gets in your blood. right? So for years, we'd take our daughter over to Eastern Washington, she was a little kid, we'd go pick cherries for a day, more cherries than we could possibly eat or can. Right? We'd, but you can't you know, stop. But you give them away. You're like, there were only 50 cents a pound. I couldn't pick nothing. you know, I couldn't pick less. I-
0: I'm so with you, and uh, we have a lake house uh, in Oroville, Washington. It's on Lake Asuyos. uh Osoyos. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Uh, the lake is named after the town that's right over the Canada border. Um, okay. And I met uh, last summer a man named Arnold, and he is Dutch, and He has stories in him like he talked about how uh, when he was growing up, they hid uh, soldiers in his um, in the barn at his farm growing up. Um, So I'm dying to interview him. I'm hoping to this summer. Anyway, he has a you pick place and he's got this great home with a gorgeous view of the lake and, you know, not massive rows of raspberries and blueberries, but enough. And Every time I would come, he would yell at me about the container that I have because the berries, the weight of them and the whole thing. And the I crush. Right. Exactly. And I just sort of loved that, you know, he's like, oh, ah, you're getting it wrong with his, um, you know, his accent and his, you know, fake anger. <laughs> you can't do it. Exactly. Way. Exactly. Well,
2: it, it's so. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, of some of my wife's stories growing up. Right. Where. Her grandmother would yell at her for not washing the rice right because the farmer works so hard to get you that grain of rice. You gotta treat each grain with respect. Which if you're a six-year-old kid, yeah, good luck. Uh but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah she has these sorts of and it's a good mentality, right? It, I mean treat the food with respect.
0: Absolutely. And why get all of that? You know, why have so much if you're not gonna treat it well. And right. Like, that's right, a whole exactly. like that's a life lesson. Um okay so speaking of life lessons, uh do you have because we only have like three minutes here. Uh, okay. what would you say is a life lesson? Like I talk about my stacyisms. what would be a Brianism?
2: Uh, you know I go back to uh, a change I made in my life uh, about 10 or 15 years ago and I, I don't have a specific date or story that, that lines with it but, but I made a very conscious choice uh, to try to live every day or, or at least try to when you can think to do it live, live with a sense of gratitude um it makes everything way better right so if you're living from a mindset of gratitude things are fine right uh and it kind of keeps you in a better mindset happiness isn't a thing you have it's a mindset and, and one of the things you have to do to drive that is, is be grateful for where you're at rather than demanding more and, and being irritable about everything and they're trying to screw me and they're ripping me off and that's fake news and that's bad medicine knock it off right just knock it off be grateful for what you got be grateful for what's in front of you and, and what your chances and And so that would probably be my, my lead Brianism.
0: I love that. And I, I believe the same thing. I think that <laughs> what you put out into the world is what you get back. And so I try not to overly worry um, about things. My mom uh, used to say, um, what did she call it? She would say, offering it up to God. And, you know, and I have a friend that says, let go, let God. And it doesn't have to be religious based thing. It's the idea of realizing that you're not in control of everything. And so instead being grateful for, as you say, the things you have and just sort of I'm like, everything's going to be fine. Whatever happens, it's going to be fine.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. I used to have a coffee mug years ago that said uh, the reason worry kills more people than work is more people worry than work. So,
0: uh, oh, that's good. I might have to steal that for one of my (laughs) stasisms, Huh. Okay. Um, Well, we're already running out of time. Uh, Do you have any way that you want to connect with people if people want to know more about you or are you just kind of a lone wolf?
2: I'm a lone wolf today. You know, if you've got a cause, if you need a cause. Go donate to the people in Ukraine, uh, I'll say that. but but otherwise, you know, hopefully you can find your own cause. That means something to you.
0: I love
2: um, it. Use use that one on my behalf, please.
0: All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really love Thank chatting. You for having me. I love chatting with you. Thank you also to Eric. Next week's guest is Amy Lowers of Health Strong. Um, stay connected, everybody out there and gratitude. It's Brian's ism.
2: There we go.